I will say this, we might need at some point to explain again what Huat and Westu Hall mean. I have several times had people ask, like, what is that thing you say? And realizing that either we only explained it in the earliest episodes, or we maybe have never explained it. Recorded in our Nerdhaven studios, this is Pop Medieval, your host, Dr. Richard Scott Noakes and Nina McIntyre, discussing the intersection of medieval literature and pop culture on a semi-weekly basis. And now, back to your podcast. What, Doc? What, Nina? Have you heard of this new musical genre called Bardcore? I have. I have heard of it. And listened right. to, to a lot of music from it. Okay. I don't know if it is a bad genre or if it's going to be sticking around, but I would like to know your opinion of it. And I would like to know what the difference is between Bardcore and Filking. Okay. Well, I do think it's definitely a fad. <laughs> Uh, but okay. So filking is for those who are not deeply embedded in nerd culture. Filking is where people make it's like fan fiction songs where you sing about often your favorite fandoms or or that kind of thing. Whereas bardcore is either taking an existing modern song and just doing it according to medieval music or reworking the lyrics so that the lyrics are some kind of pseudo Elizabethan era, you know, uh, a lot of these, thys, and prithies in it. A lot of uh, jokes where you're using a little bit uh, dated language for it. And so there's this kind of two different streams of bardcore, but they all fall under the same category of bardcore. So filking is more improv, I'm guessing? Yes, but a lot of filkers will... Well, it's like it's like free rap in that in that way, and that you know free rap might be free rap, but a lot of it is set pieces that are already already made. So yeah, and so yeah. if you go to any nerd convention, uh, you know, like a Comic Con or Gen Con or Dragon Con, you're gonna see or hear filkers there uh, for sure. I will say, as someone who has spent a lot of time at these, when I first heard filking. I didn't know what it meant. I assumed it was something disgusting uh, uh, involving adult content. It does not necessarily involve adult content, content. but now that I've heard filking, and my apologies to the, our fans out there who like filking, I do find it disgusting. I hate filking so, so, so much. <laughs> and the quickest way to get me to not attend a session is to hear that there will be filking there. It does sound quite unappetizing. Well, you know my opinions on improv. They are negative. Yes. I mean, improv is, if I may be a little blue for a second, it's like sex. Unless you're bringing your A-game, I don't want to be there because it could end up a mess. So that's, <laughs> that's just my opinion on that. <laughs> so. All right, so moving on from that. So, so we do sometimes have these weird fads pop up, right? Like at the moment that we're recording, yeah. suddenly the internet decided that sea shanties were the big thing. Yeah, that's that's a pretty recent thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if you remember, probably a decade ago, the internet decided Gregorian chant is the big thing. And there was yeah. there was a fad of Gregorian chant. So we do we do go through through these sometimes. Before recording we talked about this the, the late nineties swing the swing dancing movement. Yeah. That became very popular. Like, I think one of the things that can have staying power is when they're doing covers sometimes of things which are otherwise popular. Mm -hmm. But largely, you know, I cannot remember the last time I heard someone listen to Gregorian chant 
who wasn't doing so for academic reasons. I'm sure it was probably the early 2000s was the last time I heard that. <laughs> and before that, the 100s. Right. So, Nina, so you listened to some Bardcore. Who'd you listen to? What did you... Tell us all about your impressions of Bardcore. You recommended a group called Hildegard von Blingen. Is that how it's pronounced? Yes. I think it's a, an individual, but she... And I'm assuming it's a she. She keeps her uh, she, okay. her identity secret. I, I intentionally try not to like dig into it when they try to keep their identity secret. So Okay. It's, it's actually a small group of people who it could probably be, and I have given as little consideration as possible. Okay, I'm going to use they, them pronouns just to be on the safe side. So I, I listened to three songs, and of course they're all from the 90s because you know I'm a 90s kid. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one I listened to was uh, a cover of Cream by the Wu-Tang Clan, Cash Rules Everything Around Me, which translated extremely well to bardcore if you know the the piano melody in in cream it it translates extremely well i was extremely thankful that there was no lyrics this would not have gone down very well had there been any lyrical composition to this song at all but yeah this is pretty good but i thought this was pretty easy too like yeah okay cream to um to bardcore eh, that was an easy one the second one i listened to was a cover of radiohead's creep this one was fine it, it i'm trying to think of the problem i had with it mostly creep is a very down tempo sad melancholy song which again would have been an, a pretty easy target but i thought the the lyrical change to it or the the lyrics that um, this group took was kind of low effort. And then the third song I listened to, which I I loved, I fell in love with it immediately, was Hathaway's What is Love? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> which, again, was it in a, a late 80s... <laughs> Engineer Mike is already dancing. Um, late 80s, 90s dance song, if you remember from Saturday Night Live, the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. That one, if you're nodding your head along, yes. you, you know it very well. The lyrical content is um, something like, uh, What is love? Thou, or lady, thou woundest. Lady, thou woundest. Which was perfect. I mean, it was just, you know, chef's kiss on it. Absolutely perfect. They nailed it. Overall, I I would use the karaoke rule for this. I The songs went on a little bit too long. I would say take one verse and two choruses or is it two verses and one chorus not the whole song if you're going to do a a parody or an update of it otherwise eh, it wasn't too bad couple of slip-ups but uh yeah not too bad a for effort nice job we'll listen to another yeah i don't like it uh and you don't like it (laughs) (laughs) well and regular listeners might remember that i am a big fan of nerdcore uh, so I am yes. fine with a very nerdy music. I am very fine with, mm-hmm. with nerdcore hip hop and uh, I'm cool with that. And I listen to a lot of it. But there's some kinds which get a little uh, too gimmicky for me. And so when I first heard Bardcore, yeah, I, thought, I, see that. Yeah, I thought, this is great. And I went immediately on to Spotify and I got myself a couple of Bardcore playlists. And I listened to Bardcore pretty regularly for about a week. And by the time that week was done, I never want to hear another Bardcore song again. Yeah. Uh, I think I ruined the whole genre for myself uh, in, in mm-hmm. that time. So I would say a little goes a long way and uh, don't don't binge it like I did because it'll it'll really hurt you. 
And that's why I come back to saying I think that they should have stuck to just maybe one or two verses in a chorus because I think doing the entire song was overkill. And you're right. I, I think it's it's a little bit too gimmicky. I think it's a fad and I, I don't think it's going to it's going to last past the, the academic realm. Yeah. And speaking of the academic so. realm, let's talk about Hildegard von Biggen, the actual person that the name puns off of. Oh, okay. Okay, so I want to be clear about something. Uh, von in Hildegard von Blingen or uh, von Bingen just means of. So sometimes I will try to say von in this case, but normally we would say Hildegard of Bingen okay. as her name. She German. Yes, German. And she was a very, uh, she was a really important person in the 12th century. And Hildegard, you know, normally when you talk about someone, you say like, oh, this was an important person philosopher or this was an important artist or no hildegard was major importance she was a woman who had visions she was important in that way for having her divine visions she was important for science and medicine and music uh, she established a lot of the rules for chant uh, all, all sorts of things so hildegard you can't just pigeonhole her in one thing to such a degree that there are 36 doctors of the church. And these are the Roman Catholic church, you might say, has these people who they say, these are the most important people. And they're like, and there's only 36 of them. And that's not a set number. It's just there happens to be only 36 so far. When you ex when you say doctors of the church, explain what you mean by that. Right. So they are just the most important people for establishing the doctrine of the church. Okay. Doctrine. Yeah. Yes. So it is like Augustine, Ambrose, Aquinas, Jerome. I mean, we're talking the big names. And one of mm -hmm. these doctors of the church is Hildegard. So she's not wow. an obscure person. Like she, she is someone who was really influential. And one of the interesting things that she did for music was she composed both the music and the words for the things that she wrote. And others might have done that, but we don't actually have a lot of record of that. Uh, and she really established a kind of, of singing that's sometimes called a sacred monophony, which is, if I say, it sounds medi like medieval music, obviously, mm -hmm. the Middle Ages was a thousand years across many continents. What you think about is medieval music. I mean, there's just so many varieties of music that we could be talking about, right? So our cliche in our minds of medieval music, the kind that Bardcore, I think, is based around, is in fact this sacred monophony so even though it's bard core in reference to shakespeare an early modern person the style of music is something which is which is a this kind of quintessential medieval music and she does a lot to establish that what's also interesting about her is she wrote something called the ordo virtutum uh, which is a kind of what's called a morality play and morality mm -hmm. plays are these allegorical plays where the different parts of someone argue and and debate uh, out something think of the pixar movie inside out wait is that what's called oh yeah inside out mm -hmm. yes inside like, out yeah yeah it's that it's that kind of thing and she wrote one of the earliest ones that we have uh, they became really popular but she wrote one of the earliest ones and she also wrote all the music and all the the songs in it so it's actually a musical uh so she wrote this very influential musical morality play called the ordo virtutum and I think if you were to like listen to Order for Tutum, you would say like, ah, that's what Hildegard von Blingen, the artist, she's not just punning, right? She's mm -hmm. clearly knows about 
Hildegard, the, the, the historical person, knows about the musical style. And so although some of the bardcore I'm hearing seems to be uh, by people who have a vague notion of it, you know, I think if I were to go looking for Hildegard von Blingen's uh, actual identity, which since the person wants to be anonymous, I wouldn't recommend mm-hmm. people do that. Uh, but I think if I were to do that, I would look among people who know a lot about music theory. That would be where I would start. And music history, I should say. Okay, so like sacred monophony, it would sound very dirgy, lots of minor keys, like that kind of sound. Well, can we get into recommendations? Yeah, let's go ahead. Okay, so uh, I want to recommend the Ordo Virtutum, <laughs> uh, in fact. Yes, there uh, we go. <laughs> yeah, so that's why I want to move right into it. And so I will have a link on the show notes page to a YouTube of an entire performance of it that was done in Los Angeles at St. John's Cathedral. I started to look for decent English language translations so you can follow along. And some people in the comments of that had actually included it. So rather than including a separate link, I'm just going to leave that link in there. But you can actually listen to the Ordo Virtutum and watch it performed on stage. It's very nice, well-lit performance. Uh, Everything looked, the singers are phenomenal. I have to say that having seen a lot of medieval performances at medieval conferences, the performances are done often by scholars who are, their primary thing is the scholarship and their secondary thing is their performance skill. Uh, that doesn't say they're bad. They're, mm-hmm. they're quite good. But the, this is, a, they're really phenomenal in this. So uh, the sacred monophony you can hear is in that Ordo Fertutum. Fantastic. Well, I would like to recommend one of our recent podcasts um, since this drops the very beginning of March. In fact, it drops just before the first day of International Women's Day. Mm-hmm. I would like to recommend our episode on Abelard and Heloise, where we talk about Heloise, who is one of my favorite medieval ladies. Um, definitely look her up, too, because this is fantastic. Yes, and as a little side note, if you listen to that, you will hear a little bit about Abelard's rivalry with Bernard of Clairvaux. Uh, Bernard of Clairvaux is one of those 36 doctors of the church, whereas Abelard, as brilliant as he was, was not, mostly because he was a difficult person. <laughs> I love how everything ties back to everything in our podcast. You know, it's, it's almost as if we make it that way, but it's not. No. Well, it, you know, it's like uh, it's like Main Street at Disney World, right? Our our medieval world is shrunk down and small enough that we can sort of wander through it. And so, of course, when you're in this shop, we can see across the street to that shop over there. And so when we're over here on Hildegard von Bingen, we can look over there and we can see Bernard of Clairvaux and how he succeeded in the long run where Abelard, <laughs> Peter Abelard did, did not. Mm. And, and I would say, by the way, if you're interested in an important female figure and you don't like the sex scandal that, that uh, Heloise was involved in, uh, Hildegard von Bingen was never involved in any sex scandal as far as I know. So, there, in fact, she was, well, she she spent some time in <laughs> Hoisterworth and Anchorus, I think, as I recall. So, yeah, no no sex scandals with her. It's just crazy visions and a high level of science and intellect at that point where, uh, you know, you're such a polymath that it isn't clear how much of your polymath is brilliance and how much of it is just so uh, she's really quite wonderful. sacred monotony ba, 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 ba. <laughs> yes well thank you on, on that delightful pun west uh, hall got a <laughs> west hall doc pop and evil was recorded under his studio 
hosts are Dr. Richard Scott and Oaks and Nina McNamara. Our audio engineer is Engineer Mike. The music is courtesy of Dr. John Jinwright. For more information, visit our website at profawesome.com slash That's P-R-O-F-A-W-E-S-O-M-E dot com slash Thank you for listening. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to rush us through the end of that, but like, I was like, well, I don't know. I didn't know how to explain sacred monophony without recommending my recommendations. So no, that was perfect. No, it was a great segue. We're, we're really good at this. I don't know if you noticed. <laughs>